Hi friends, welcome along. This is the Influence Podcast. If you're looking to inspire more people, have a positive impact on a global scale, build an influential and magnetic brand, and build a profitable business with your unique gifts and talents, then the Influence Podcast is for you. I'm your host, Jake Adam Davey, former high school French and Spanish teacher, turned international speaker, online business coach, and Instagram growth and monetization enthusiast. You can find tools, resources, and so much more on the website, jakeadamdavy.com. And you can also say hello on Instagram at jakeadamdavy. Please also, if you're enjoying the podcast, do feel free to leave a review. The more stars, the better, of course. But equally, if you're not enjoying it, you are still invited to leave a review. The one thing I would also ask is, of course, sharing is caring. So if you've listened to something or heard something in the podcast that you think you've enjoyed or would be useful and beneficial to other people, then please do hit that share button and pass it on to somebody that you know. I'd be so very, very grateful and so thankful if you did. Now let's dive into today's episode on the Influence Podcast. Okay, hello, welcome along. This is episode number 60, 60. Yes, we are up at 60 for the Influence Podcast. And I wanted to mark number 60 with something quite incredible. Um, I, 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 I can honestly say that, that I've had a, a bit of a wish list and a bit of a hit list, hit list probably not the right phrase, but definitely a wish list for the Influence Podcast for quite a while now. Um, and there's been for a long time number one person that I've wanted to have on this on this podcast. And today I am extremely excited to introduce human behaviour specialist Dr. John D. Martini. Now I've uh, I was first introduced to uh, Dr. D. Martini probably around two and a half years ago, three years ago, through my mentor Paul, um, and straight away um, I was recommended him as being. Uh, I, I was I was I was weighing up a couple of different events. Should I go to uh, this particular event, which is uh, or this event, you know, from very very well known worldwide names um, that that people know in terms of the personal development space and such, or should I go to this event with Dr. John D. Martini? And I was advised ten times over go to the event with Dr. John D. Martini, and I did. I went to uh, travel across to Ireland back in 2019 um, at a time obviously when we could we could travel. Um, and spent two days in Dublin at an event with uh, Dr. D. Martini, going through his two-day breakthrough experience program. Um, it, it totally, totally transformed the way I looked at things. It did not in any way. Um, it, it wasn't what I was expecting. It was. It was totally different to what I was expecting. I was actually. I was actually a bit anxious about what might happen. But as soon as I got there, um, and, you know, what, and what, what what could happen. But it's. As soon as I got that, I just thought, this is absolutely remarkable. And it is transformational in terms of the results that people can have at all levels and in all areas of life. Uh, since then, I've followed him. Um, you know, I've, I've, I'm reading a number of his books. Uh, I can recommend a few of those as well um, to you if, you if you'd like to ask and, and, and connect about those. Um, and I can highly, highly recommend any, you know, any of the content that you find from him on, online, on YouTube. He's got his own podcast. Um, YouTube channel as well. There's so many videos of him uh, on, on, on YouTube, um, but there's nothing quite like speaking to and meeting uh, the man himself in person. And uh, I was fortunate again uh, to, to join the Breakthrough Experience 
this year, 2020. Very different circumstances, of course. Not able to travel, so this was delivered online. Um, still extremely powerful. And I would highly recommend if you've not done this before, if you've heard about the Breakthrough Experience, uh, if anybody's mentioned it to you in passing, but it's something that you've 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 considered, I could not recommend it more highly. And it's it's something I could already already um, confirm. I will definitely be doing that again in the future. I'll be doing it next year and looking at other uh, programs from John as well. So let me give you a little bit of background into uh, into into uh, Dr. D. Martini. So he is a world-renowned specialist in human behaviour, a researcher, author, and global educator. He's developed a series of solutions applicable across all markets, sectors, and age groups. His education curriculum ranges from corporate empowerment programs, financial empowerment strategies, and I personally have used a lot of those, or tried to absorb, I should say, a lot of those from Dr. D. Martini in the past two, two and a half years since following him. Self-development programs, and again, the same. Relationship solutions, again, the same. And social transformation programs as well. His teachings start at the core of the issue, addressing the human factor and range out to a multitude of powerful tools that have proven uh, the test of time. He studied over 30,000 books, 30,000 books across all the defined, again, across all of the defined academic disciplines. Okay, so the, the, in terms, I think there's a, about 100 odd, maybe 200, maybe maybe more defined academic disciplines. He has studied over 30,000 books uh, in total across all those different disciplines. I can't be, like, that's unbelievable. Uh, and he synthesized the wisdom of the ages, uh, which he shares on stage, uh, of course, online now in over 100 countries. Um, his presentations, whether they're keynotes, seminars, workshops, they leave clients with insights into their behavior and keys to their own empowerment. And I could not agree with that further. I am extremely excited, um, honored really, to be able to introduce in this interview uh, Dr. John D. Martini. I do hope that you enjoy it. Uh, I, do, I do hope that you love it as much as I did. Uh, I'm already looking for opportunities to bring him back on in the future. Um, so do it, dive in, enjoy this wide-ranging, incredibly uh, empowering and insightful conversation with Dr. John Martini. Dr. Martini, I want to say a huge welcome um, first and thank you as well for um, agreeing to, to, to be interviewed and, and join me on the Influence podcast. Um, I am so delighted to have you here and I just want to say a, a massive thank you for giving up um, a portion of your day. Um, to, to speak with me and then to be able to share this as well with the listeners and the community of the Influence Podcast as well. So thank you so much for giving up your time today. Well, I can say the same. Thank you. Thank you for doing the same. Incredible. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with a question um, uh, to put to you that I actually ask all of our podcasts. I ask everybody that comes on the podcast, but I usually ask them this question last. But I'd really like to start with this question first, if that's okay. Um, what does the word influence mean to you? And how can people best go about influencing and having an impact on other people on a, on a global scale? I think that people dream about fulfilling what's deeply meaningful to them. And when you are inspired by what is deeply meaningful in your own mission in life and living by priority, pursuing it daily and exemplifying a masterful life, People can't avoid feeling connected and deeply appreciative and inspired by authenticity. So I think that the greatest influence 
just as Einstein said, the greatest teacher is exemplification of living a meaningful and fulfilled life that's truly prioritized by what's deeply meaningful and what you feel your mission is on the planet. Whatever that may be, raising a family or a business or social contribution or fitness or athletics, whatever it may be, inspirational. Living authentically, doing what you really, really are inspired to do that you feel you want to make a difference in, I think can't help but influence the people that it touches. I think... You know, when I ask people uh, what inspires you and what brings a tear of inspiration to your eyes or it bumps up your spine, it's they they've consistently say people who have overcome amazing obstacles and done something with such refinement and masterful skill that it just brings tears to eyes because it it exemplifies what they want to do in their own life. And they're yearning to express their maximum potential. And if we live authentically, we, we move in the direction of, of shining, not shrinking. And I think that that inspires other people and that magnetizes them to want to do more in their own life and also to be part of your journey. Yeah. I love, I love the, the, the phrase shining, not shrinking. How... How do people, if, if we took a cross section of society, for example, you know, walk down the street and you look at a hundred people, uh, how many, you may not be able to quantify this at all, but how many of the, how do we know that people are living um, this in, in sort of their, their most inspired sense, if you like, and, and how many people are doing that? And, and it, it, I guess it's hard to quantify, but is it possible to see that? And are the majority of people doing this? Is this something that people are missing out on? Um, what, what's your kind of take on that? That's a great question. We're not here to live in the shadows of others. We're here to stand on the shoulders of giants. We're not here to put people on pedestals or pits. We're here to put them in hearts. When we put people on pedestals and minimize ourselves in turn, we inject their values, which cloud the clarity of our own highest value. And that cloudiness and unclarity tends to make us subordinate and then we try to do something that's not really meaningful to us, fitting in, conforming. Yeah. And then on, not honoring what our actual decisions are. We only make a mistake when we compare our actions to other people's values. And we only make, we think other people make mistakes and we project our values onto them and expect them to live in our values. Yeah. So when we live knowing what's really meaningful to us, what's priority to us, and exemplify that and give ourselves permission to to do that and build momentum being that authentic self and doing it in a way that serves other people's highest values not as a subordination but as a as an exchange and sustainable fair exchange which remunerates both people we we empower ourselves and in turn create a ripple effect of intrinsically inspiring them to do more with their lives so i think that as long as we subordinate to the world on the outside and not honor the magnificence of the one on the inside, we'll probably not recognize our genius. Einstein said when you're comparing your, yourself as a cat to a fish, you're going to think that there's something wrong with you because you can't swim well. If you compare yourself as a fish to a cat, you're going to think you can't climb well. But if you honor yourself and be number one at who you are, instead of being number two at something else, you'll honor yourself and, and give permission for others to do the same. And so I think that that's the key is identifying what's really important to you. The percentage of people that do that. See, 
we actually make decisions based on what we value most at every moment in our life. But we're not honoring our decisions because we're comparing them to others. We're not here to compare ourselves to others. We're here to compare our own daily actions to our own highest values. And the moment we do that, uh, we're able to, in a sense, see our mission, vision clearly and pursue it. So we are all on our journey of mastery, but most of us are not conscious of it. We're not conscious that we're actually, that everything is on the way, not in the way. And so the percentage is scaled uh, fewer at the top and probably more at the bottom, not because they're not doing it. It's because they're not honoring that they're doing it and not recognizing. There's an, there's an old proverb that uh, basically says, and I, I was ch- chatting with a Bumpa Lama in Nepal about this, that nothing is missing at the level of the essence of the soul, but everything appears to be missing at the level of the existence of the senses. We sometimes are too proud or too humble to admit what we see in others inside ourselves. And instead of reflective awareness, where we have equanimity, we have deflective awareness, where we have volatility and instability. And as a result of it, our uncertainties and instabilities cloud the mission that we're on the planet to fulfill, which is a unique expression of our own vantage point from our conscious experience. So giving ourselves permission to be our authentic selves and not compare ourselves to others is what increases the probability of that that, uh, manifestation of our full potential. So I think that all of us are on the journey, but not recognizing it. But very few people are awakened to see it and they give themselves permission to be themselves and they know what they're committed to. So clarity of mission is, is a, a critical component of that uh, one percenters as some people call it. Yeah. You know, very few people. I'm always amazed at how people will follow the people who didn't follow people, you know, and <laughs> most people get up in the morning and they, they, they uh, think, you know, what, what educational system should I go to so I can become significant? What uh, political system should I belong to to be right? What religious system should I fit into to not be frightened of banishment? Uh, what company should I have for security? What football team should I support? And I, I, I'm a firm believer that just just go over the hump for a second and give yourself permission and say, what educational institution do I want to found? What spiritual movement do I want to create? What uh, influence worldwide politically, not local, but globally? What sport team do I want to own? I wonder what happened if we gave ourselves a permission to celestially view it instead yeah. of terrestrially uh, subordinate to it. So I'm a firm believer of giving yourself permission to live by highest priorities because it tends to awaken objectivity and empowerment that the subjective biases of survival don't provide. Thank you for that, that incredibly comprehensive answer. Thank you for that. You've, you've, there's three main things that have come out of that, which just makes me want to ask questions in all different directions. One of the, one of the phrases that you mentioned, um, it's probably not the question I'm, I'm going to ask, but one of the, que- the phrase that you mentioned is giving yourself permission to do something. I'd like to come back around to that uh, shortly, if that's okay. Um, but there's the two that I'd like to, to pick up on. They may be interlinked. Um, the first one you talked, you, you mentioned clarity of mission. Um, and secondly, the, the, the word that kept coming up there was values and honoring your, your highest values. How do people get clear on, because I think that seems to be, certainly for, for, for me when I got started, 
Um, and, and I think for a lot of people, if I speak to clients and speak to people at events and such, um, it's that clarity. So how do people get that clarity of their mission and perhaps even their unique mission um, in life? How, how, how would people go about that? Well, I've been asking that question for about 48 years. <laughs> and I've developed a system, a system for that. And it goes back to Aristotle, actually, to some degree, and his predecessors, because he had students, pre-Socratic, pre-Greeks. He believed that their void... The economic void wants to be filled with a pleuromic fulfillment and value. And, and that's so true. Imagine if we're um, seeing somebody that challenges our values and threatens our perceptual survival and is perceived as a predator and activates our sympathetic nervous system and methyl you know, epigenetics. And we go into self-righteous looking down on that individual. And now we're too proud to admit what we see in them inside ourselves. And we have a disowned part, a dismemberment, a deflection of what we see. Or we look it up to somebody and infatuate with them and assume we're too humble to admit what we see in them is inside us. And again, deflect, you know, dismember ourselves, disempower ourselves. Anytime we exaggerate or minimize ourselves, we're not ourselves. We're not authentic. And we're disowning a part, which is a void. And so we perceive intrinsically there's something missing in us because we're too proud and too humble to admit it. And we don't have reflective awareness, but we have equanimity and equity, which is the only thing that's sustainable in mastery of life. So those voids determine our values. So our judgments our incomplete awarenesses, their subjective biases of survival, instead of objective realizations that there's nothing but love, all else was illusion. Yeah. Could I, could I just probe? Sorry, just and a little so, bit um, Sorry to interrupt. The, the, the voids, where, where do they specifically come from, or where do you feel that, that they come from in, in people's lives? They come from the misperception that there's something missing in ourselves relative to things around us. Right. We think we're too proud. We're, we, we're too proud to own that. You know, we, most of us have had moments where we're too proud to admit, that, oh, I don't do that. Yeah. But that's a void. You're not here to get rid of any part of yourself. You're here to honor all parts of yourself. You don't need to get rid of half of yourself to love yourself. So often we're in this fantasy. The Buddha is warned against this. He says the desire for that which is unavailable, which is a one-sided life, and the desire to avoid that which is unavoidable, which is the other side that comes with it, is a source of human suffering. So we go through and we try to deny half of our life and we don't honor the fullness of our life. And how are we going to have fulfillment if we're not honoring it? Now, with those voids from those judgments because of their misperceptions and survival biases, which animals in our amygdala and subcortical areas do, they are not truths. When we're infatuated with somebody, we're conscious of the upside we're unconscious of the downside. We're resentful to somebody. We're conscious of the downside. We're unconscious of the other side. So we're unconscious. We're ignoring. And so we're deflecting those parts. And we're not here to deflect anything. We're here to honor it. So those misperceptions have an innate homeostatic mechanism inside our brain to try to reown. And so our values are a reflection of those voids that we've judged to try to teach us how to embrace both sides and love it. True love is the 
synthesis and synchronicity. It's the, it's the pinnacle of the Hegel's dialectic of pursuit. Now, how do you determine the values and the purpose? Because your very highest value is called the telos by Aristotle. And the telos, if you study it, it was called teleology. And teleology was a study of meaning and purpose. So our purpose is an expression of our highest value. And our highest value is the most intrinsic value that's non-derivative, that is the path that is most effective and efficient, efficient at fulfilling the greatest amount of voids with the greatest amount of value. Because when you have objectivity and even-mindedness and a neutrality and you're not judging, you're neutralizing those voids from those subjective bias judgments. So when you're living by your highest value, you're most objective and you're integrating the pairs of opposites and normalizing because objectivity means neutral, not bias. It's not partial, it's whole. So the highest value is our purpose. It is the thing that is most meaningful. The mean is the mean between the polarities of judgment. So our Fibonacci pursuit, you might say, of meaningfulness, the golden mean of, of pursuit is an expression of that highest value. Now, how do we know what our highest value is? It's very simple. Our life demonstrates it. And what we say to ourselves um, is not necessarily what I go by. Go by what we live. Because whatever's highest on your value, you are spontaneously inspired intrinsically to fulfill. And whatever's low in your value, you require extrinsic motivation to get you to fulfill. So I look at how people fill their space. Because whatever is highest on their value, they, they keep proximal into their personal and intimate space. I look at how they spend their time. They make time, find time, spend time on things that are most valuable. I look at what energizes them. When they're doing things that are high in their priorities in life, their energy goes up. When they're doing low priorities, it goes down. I'm looking at where they spend their money. They will make money, find money, spend money on things that are valuable and not want to spend money on things that aren't. I look at where they're most organized and ordered because there's a tendency to being ordered to things that are valuable. I look at what they're most disciplined, reliable, and focused on because it's spontaneous. They don't have to have any motivation to do it. And I look at what they think about, what they visualize, what they internally dialogue or affirm to themselves about, about how they would love their life that is showing evidence of coming true. Not fantasies, but what's evidence of coming true that inspires them. I look at what they constantly want to converse with other people about most. I look at what truly brings a tear of inspiration when they're pursuing it. I look at what their goals show evidence of coming true, what is actually showing evidence of manifesting the persistent goals they have. And I look at what they spontaneously want to read, learn, and study every day that nobody has to encourage them to study. And if I take those 13 value determinants and answer those three times and look at what reiterates most consistently and with highest priority, it reveals in their life, not the fantasies that they think, but the, it reveals what their life demonstrates is truly important. And the moment they identify that with an aha, a gamma burst, you might say, in the brain, and they start to structure their life by priority according to that one thing, that priori, a priori is can't sin. Once they structure their life like that, and find a way of how I can serve the greatest number of people and fill the greatest amount of needs with that pursuit and delegate everything else off the plate. They have the path of mastery and inspiration and they become that less than one percenters. Yeah. I love teaching people how to do that. That's, that's one of my favorite things to do in the last 48 years. That's all I do. <laughs> Amazing. Well, 
So, so your your highest values then, Dr. Di Martini. Would you would would you would you mind sharing those and and how you go about? Live? Well, you say that people, um, maybe consciously or subconsciously, we're all leading by our highest values. You're hiding up the um, the journal your, your your journal here. So research, write, travel, and teach. Those are your four. Well, teaching is number one. That I research every single day. I write every single day. I travel now on Zoom temporarily, but I usually travel. I've traveled over 20 million miles traveling. Wow. And uh, I teach every day, seven days a week. And I have been doing that since 17. I'm almost 66. So I, I'm a firm believer in um, delegating everything else. I don't do anything else. I delegate everything else off my plate. I haven't cooked since I was 24. I haven't driven in about 30-something years. I don't do anything other than what I am absolutely inspired to do. So I surround myself with people that love doing the things I want to delegate and get on with what I am here for. Yeah, that's so I'd, I'd love to, I'm keen to take a few steps back about when you started, you mentioned from 17. Um, but just before then, how, tell me a little bit, how do you get to the stage? Because again, I, I imagine this must be people in the one percenters, but how do people start to make that move? along with aligning with their highest values and, and things that are most important to them or acknowledging them. Um, how do, how do, how do people start to get to that phase where they can delegate things that are lower in their priorities um, or lower in their values as opposed to going through those actions themselves? And how does that make people feel when they have to do those or feel that they have to do those things? There's no such thing as something you have to do. That's a delusion that you've bought into because you've subordinated to outer influences. So we choose to. You, you've, you've given yourself uh, the injected values of outer authorities, which Freud called the superego, which is an internalization of an outer authority's values, and live by duty and not design. Yeah. If you don't fill your day with high-priority actions that inspire you, it's going to fill up with low-priority distractions that don't. That's Mopertius's law of least action, and it's the law of entropy by Clausius. So if we don't take command and value ourselves to prioritize our life every day. We will be bombarded by the injected values of projections of other people trying to do and fulfill what they think is important. So it's, it's learning how to say no to things that are not highest in priority and learning how to say yes to things that are. Now it never costs to properly delegate. It only costs to improperly delegate. If you can structure your life and ask yourself, what is it I would absolutely love to do? What am I spontaneously here to do? My, my, what do I want to make the greatest difference in? What is my one thing, as Carol Keller says? How do I do it in a way that serves so many people that I'm handsomely paid to do it? And if you ask that question, you'll find an answer. I've, I've shown thousands of people this. And then what are the highest priority actions I can do today to make that happen? And what obstacles am I running into and how do I solve them in advance with foresight, not hindsight? Hindsight is the lowest of the heuristics and foresight is wisdom. What worked and what didn't work today? How do I do what I do more effectively and efficiently tomorrow? And how did whatever I do today and whatever I experience through my senses or my motor actions, how is it helping me fulfill that? And answer that with accountability. Then ask yourself, what is the highest of all highest priority actions that give the greatest contribution? And then stick to that. And you will produce more than the cost of delegation. 
and then find somebody whose highest value is to do the thing you want to delegate. So you never have to even think about it. They take care of it. So if you're having to think about it, you don't have the right individual. If you're having to be distracted by it, yeah. if you're having to tell them how to do it, you don't have the right individual. That's what costs. It never costs to delegate properly. And find the individual that is inspired to do what you want to get off your plate. So they can do it at a higher level than what you would have done it. And so you're free not to have to be motivated. Motivation is a symptom for society, never a solution. But intrinsic inspiration, a calling, a metier, a, a purpose is deeply meaningful that you can't wait to get up in the morning and do. People can't wait to get the service of. That's the path. And giving yourself permission to follow that path and build momentum by incremental momentum building domino effects is becomes an unstoppable legacy builder. So I'm a firm believer in, in prioritizing and delegating. There is no way you're going to live an inspired life without those two masters. And many people, their, their addiction to pride and their addiction to thinking they're right blocks their ability to delegate because they think they know best instead of surrounding themselves with people that really do and go to your core competence and stick to your core competence of what you're great at and then live your greatness and let other people do theirs. And then what happens, the economy unfolds and that increases exchange. There's a factorial mathematics on the interaction of increasing economic development. So anytime we are able to, uh, give job opportunities to others through delegation. The number of trades in the transactions in the economy help everyone. So we're rewarded to the degree that we're doing what we love to do, making the biggest difference most efficiently, and then in employing people to help us and that, giving them the opportunity to do the same. And our mastery of that is our mastery and contribution to society. We're helping other people get what to do what they love, helping us do what we love. As Bill Gates said, in a sense, and I'm paraphrasing, what is the greatest service I can do today that will serve the greatest number of people in the most inspiring manner, in the most efficient, effective way, with the resources I have today? What's the highest priority action I can do today to do that? If we stick to that, there's no way we're not going to rise into the higher percentage or the, where you say the higher echelon of lower percentage leaders. Yeah. We're destined to be leaders. Our nature is to, to be great at what we do. But our conformity and our, our um, fear of rejection, you might say, and fear of not fitting in makes us not make the difference standing out. We can't make a difference standing, fitting into society. We have to stand out. We have to be the misfit. <laughs> I love that phrase. Um, so... How much, based on this then, and, and the idea of standing out, not fitting in, but people tend to, or people who aren't living, you know, their, their, their highest purpose, their highest mission are fitting in. How much of an impact does, and this could be positive or negative or, or both, I imagine, of course, it's, it, it has both, but how much of an impact has uh, one's environment, a person's environment on, on what their life and the trajectory of their life may look like? There's been two primary schools of thought psychologically, the extrinsic and the intrinsic. I know that both have a, a play, but William James and, and Want, William Want, who are really the founders of psychology, 
over a century ago, said very clearly the greatest discovery of his generation is that human beings can alter their lives by altering their perceptions and attitudes of mind. We have control over our sensory neurons, our inner neurons, and our motor neurons through the glia, and that's perception, decision, and action. So I've been teaching a program called the Breakthrough Experience for many years, 1,108 times I've taught it. This will be 100,109 this, this weekend. Wow. And I've yet to see anything that the mortal body can experience that the immortal soul can't love. And there's nothing on the outside that can't be transformed by perception. And there's no intrinsic outer morality other than the one you're rigidly trapped in. So there's an event out there that's neutral until you choose to make a heaven or hell out of it or something on the way or in the way. So the question, the quality of your life is based on the quality of the questions you ask. If you ask questions, how specifically is this event, whether supportive or challenging, helping me fulfill my mission on earth? And you answer it with accountability. You can always find the, the, the sides that it takes to be able to be grateful for the event. And so I'm a firm believer of that because I've taken people through the most outrageous, outrageous events and found out it was on the way and they were grateful and they were no longer burdened by the illusion, no longer victims of history. They're now masters of destiny. So I don't think it's so much the outer world that determines it because we have as a human being the capacity to overrule and govern the predator-prey amygdala reactions below with our executive center. And we can mitigate that with GABA and glutamate. We can overrule those delusions that distract us and we want to label morally as good or bad. And we can transcend it and discover that there's nothing but love and all this else was an illusion and this is on the way actually. So we don't have to be victims of anything on the outside. I've, 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 I've been shot at in my life when I was a kid. I, was a, I lived on the streets when I was a kid. You know, I've, been, I've had lots of experiences that were close cuts. Nearly died many times. Every one of those things I'm grateful for today. Anything you can't say thank you for is baggage. Anything you can't say thank you for is fuel. If you're not having gratitude for your life, you're missing out on every moment you don't. Wow. That's, um, thank you. Thank you for that. So, so just to clarify, every event or any event, I guess every event, it's, is that to say then that every event um, is neither positive nor negative? It's purely the perception that we as individuals put on it? Or, or have, I, have I misunderstood? I, I, can I give a funny story? Please. Yeah, please. I was in Sydney, Australia about six years ago, maybe seven. And I was teaching the Breakthrough Experience to about 250 people. And uh, somehow we normally let people come in at all at the same time. A couple of people snuck in early. Could you like to have the room and everything ready? Yeah. And this very attractive woman was sitting in the front row and she says, oh, Dr. Martini." when I came in, she says, oh, Dr. Martini, I've been waiting to come to this program. I finally made it. I'm so grateful to be here. And I said, well, thank you for coming. And she said, yeah, I came here because I'm, I'm ready to find my soulmate. And she was young, pretty girl, looking for a man. And there was a gentleman about four rows back that was sort of a bit overweight, kind of dressed down, unruly hair, chomping away on some sort of breakfast mac or something. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, he, and, I, and I saw him there. And I said to her, I said, what do you think of that one? Jokingly. <laughs> and she kind of looks like this back where she's not seen looking. And she goes, 
Oh no, 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 Dr. DiMartini. That's that. Mm-mm. Oh, that's not. That's not my. Um, no, that's not exactly what I'm looking for. And I said, I'm surprised. She goes, Why? I said, well, Do you know who that gentleman is? And I said, No. I said, He's one of the wealthiest billionaires in the world. And she goes, Really? I said, You don't recognize him? No. He's one of the wealthiest men in the world. We let him in here because, and he's dressed down so he would be a little incognito. People won't recognize him. Yeah, he is, uh, he's connected to the prime ministers and presidents, leaders of the world, religious leaders. He's a humanitarian, very wealthy man. He was once married to Michelle Pfeiffer. She, she was too young to understand and appreciate his dedication to humanity. He flies around in his mini jets and lives in his yachts and his penthouses around the world and hangs out with the very top elite of the world and um, lives a very extraordinary life. And she's like sitting there with her mouth hanging open. <laughs> she looks again, and I'm, I start to walk away. And she says, she says, well, aren't you going to introduce me to him? <laughs> <laughs> and I said to her, I said, isn't it interesting how easy our perceptions are persuaded? By misinformation or information. Now the question is, if that's that easy, why not us take command of our own perceptions? Yeah, that is, I, I mean, thank you for the story. Um, I can imagine the, as you say, the, the very, very quick turnaround in her, in her perception, quite possibly as you described, um, which, which, which is very powerful. So is that to say then that as we are so surrounded by information, you know, the news, um, social media, um, radio, TV, everything, that, that we... I guess we almost don't have, well, maybe we don't have a filter or we don't know how to filter or, or what we can trust and what we can't trust. Um, you're very, very, very big in empowering yourself. And I think that's, that's uh, come to now where you are so incredibly empowered in so many different areas of life. Um, but is that the way that we go about um, empowering ourselves about the type of decisions that we need to make or that are best for, for us and best suited for us? Well, I don't use the moral languages of better or worse, right or wrong, or good or evil, because I find them hypocritical and purposeless. Uh, you know, I don't watch TV unless I'm on it. And then I, I watch it to refine my own presentation, yeah. to look at what I see to make sure it's really sincere. And you have the capacity to select every social media that you attend, every media every social interaction. There's nothing on the outside that has to run you. You have two choices. Either you can prioritize what you do and who you hang out with and what you do, or you can take command of your perception and ask how is this helping me fulfill my mission and transform its perception. You have complete control over those two things. So the social media is neither good nor evil unless you make it so. Social media is just a social media. Okay. If you prioritize what you feed your mind and prioritize what you contribute to the social media, you can change the world and change yourself if you want. So I don't ever blame the media. I just prioritize it. Yeah. If I'm going to watch something, I'm going to make sure it's something that's meaningful to my highest values that helps me fulfill my mission. I'm not a victim of what goes on out there. I've never found that to, I'm not I've never found anything on the outside by anyone interfering with my dreams so far. 
I've been blessed to, to travel and speak in 154 countries. I've met people of all different scales from presidents and prime ministers down to paupers and um, celebrities and factory workers. They, everybody, I've never seen anything stop me from my dreams. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that there's anything on the outside. If I know how to prioritize what I do and I know how to take command of my perceptions and see how whatever's happening is helping me fulfill my mission. So I'd rather master those two things, which I have control over. I don't have control over the world on the outside as much as I have control of my perceptions and my actions towards it and my perceptions of it. My effective and effective disorders are not because of the world on the outside. It's because of my, my choice of perception and decision on the inside. Thank you. Um, I'd like to touch on um, the topic of mentors and the area of, of mentors for a moment. Um, there's, there's two questions here. Um, when I was first introduced to you, um, I, I started with my, my online business um, when I met um, somebody who we, we, we both have in common, Paul Omani, um, and he's my mentor, my business mentor, and has been for uh, the last four years. Um, he introduced me to you. Um, this was probably around two years ago, and I came to attended the Breakthrough Experience, which I'd like to come back to in just a moment. Um, he's been a, a huge part of my um, I guess, guidance uh, forward in terms of building my online business and, and also opening my, my mind to, to, to different leaders and, and thoughts, uh, thought process and, and thought leaders and uh, inspiration, including people such as yourself. Um, but could you tell me a little bit about um, your experience? I think this comes back to, to when you were 17 and when you started on this journey and the impact of, of mentors um, in your, your, your growth as well. Well, <clears throat> I had a, a very brief interaction with Howard Hughes when I was 14. Okay. And he t- took me to a library and sat me down at a table and said, there's two th- things I want to teach you young men. And you have to promise me you'll never forget them. Number one is never judge a book by its cover. And he took two books off a shelf in the library and put them on the desk in front of me. He said, because they can fool you. And then number two, he says, and he put my hands on top of Plato and Aristotle. And he said, you learn how to read, young men. And you gain the wisdom of love and the love of wisdom because of those are the only two things they can never take away from you in your life. They can take away your possessions. People can take away your, your things, in other words. But they can never take away your love and wisdom. That's accumulative. That's the transcendent. My cufflinks say love and wisdom. And um, that's, that was an influence on me. My whole work that I do is for the dedication of love and wisdom. As Swedenborg, the visionary mystic said, love is the warmth of the sun and wisdom is its light. And we have a yearning and, and dependency on the light of the sun for our existence. It's, it's a metaphor. Yeah. Then I met Paul Bragg, amongst many other people. I met surf mentors when I was young because I was a surfer. But I also met Paul Bragg when I was 17. And he was the one that one night with an inspirational presentation made me believe that maybe I could overcome my learning problems and someday learn how to read and become intelligent. I never thought I was going to happen when I was a kid because I had learning problems. I could, I'd speak problems, speaking, speaking problems and learning problems. Then I had the opportunity to meet a mystic 
who had six PhDs, he was 35 years old, six PhDs at 35, who introduced me to a deeper mystical journey, you might say, a student of the mysteries. And I learned a great deal from this man. He's an Indian man. Then I had a mentor that was named uh, Jim Parker, who impacted me in my earliest health professional. But during those times, all the way from 18 on, when I started to read, um, there's been thousands, and I mean thousands, of great minds that I've had the opportunity to stand on the shoulders of. All the great wisdom philosophers of the West and East, religious leaders, business leaders, political and social leaders, sports leaders, every field. I've tried to devour the lives of these individuals, all the things extraordinary. I've tried to study their lives and or meet them if they're alive. And I've been blessed to meet a few thousand amazing people on the planet because of that. And I think that there's no one mentor, really. They all have a piece of that journey. And so I think that if you surround yourself with people that have an astronomical view, uh, it leaves a global impact in your consciousness to make a global difference. So there's many. There's no one. But mentorship, um, if there's congruency in values, can be profound. But you must make sure that you're not trying to be somebody you're not. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, envy is ignorance and imitation is suicide. Don't envy somebody, don't imitate somebody, but look within and whatever you perceive that they have, that you admire, look within, it's not missing. Discover the form it's in in your own values and go on the pursuit of what is true to your values and honoring them as a catalyst to awaken it. <clears throat> but don't try to be somebody you're not. Don't be second at somebody else, be first at you. And so they all have had a play. And, uh, and I've had a dream. I remember I, I met Isaac Isamoff, who was a science writer. And he had such an influence on so many books back in the 70s and 80s. And I said to myself, I want to make enough contribution on the planet to be referenced in a thousand books. We're at 600 now. Wow. So I'm still working on that project. Wow. But I know that, that, uh, that, you know, if you have a clear intention of contribution that's meaningful, the momentum building impact of those transactional um, exchanges cannot do anything but expand. It's innate. Seneca, the Roman poet and philosopher, said it really beautiful. You measure an individual by his most distant ends and, or her most distant ends. And the most distant ends is the magnitude of space and time within your innermost dominant thought will determine the level of conscious evolution you've contributed. And so you look at the magnitude of the horizons that you foresee. And if you give yourself permission to stand on the shoulders of giants, you can see farther horizons. And so mentorship is part of that journey. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, so, so the second part of the question is, is as I was going through my, again, my own growth, learning more about personal development and such, because prior to, prior to, to starting my online business, I was a teacher for eight years. Um, I'm from a family of teachers. Both my parents are teachers. Five of my six aunties and uncles are teachers. So that had always been the mindset. And that was kind of the, the pathway that I, I felt I was always going to go. 
Um, but then having moved an online business, uh, working alongside uh, Paul, my mentor, he'd suggested that a great next step to, I guess, to understand more about myself, maybe feel a bit more comfortable with myself in a way. Um, and, and, and for one of a better phrase, maybe that heightened awareness as well was to come, to, come to, um, to see you in person and to attend your event, The Breakthrough Experience. So we've, we've discussed that a couple of times. Who, who is the event for? So if, if people are listening today and, and perhaps they're not familiar with this, this event or what may be the outcome, who, who is this for? And, and, and who would you suggest would be the right fit to, 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 to maybe come and meet you in person and, and to, to, uh, to experience this with you? Well, I don't know of any human being that can't benefit from it. I've had young children. I had a six-year-old girl attended in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, and the following year, she came back with her father, and she wrote her first book. In fact, online, you can see I, I interviewed her at the program on the second year, publishing her book called Start. At seven, she published it. At nine, she published her second book, and at 12, she did her third book. She's a professional speaker, and she's the de deputy mayor of Melbourne, Australia today, but she's now 13. Wow. And um, so there's somebody that started at a young age. <laughs> we had a young boy that attended who was 13, who wanted to be a brain surgeon, who is now a brain surgeon. Um, one of the, he's going to be, he wants to be the greatest brain surgeon in the world. So I've also had people at 94 in the break to experience that wanted to get another bucket list going because they figured that if they didn't have a bucket list in front of them, they would probably kick the bucket. I've seen people who are of high celebrity position there. I've seen people that are business people there. I've seen people that are having challenges in relationships. I've seen people that don't seem to have challenges. They just want to go to the next level. I've seen people that are just out of being told they're going to die. I've seen the full spectrum of 100,000 people that have attended this thing. I don't know of anybody that can't benefit from the principles because I've tried to teach the most fundamental principles that will most universal principles that will be applicable to mastery of life. That's all I'm interested in is that help people empower and master their lives and wake up their natural born genius and leadership. So I don't know anybody that can't benefit by it, but most of the people that attend, if we look at a cross section of them, they, they are mostly entrepreneurs. Why? Because people that work for other people, if they come to breakthrough, they typically end up working for themselves. They, they realize they have, more capacity. So entrepreneurs is more common. People that have a dream to make a difference uh, and, and leave a mark in the world are usually the people that come. They're the ones that I can probably help the most. Because if they come to break to, they're not going to live in mediocrity. That's not their probability because they're going to realize I don't have to do that. That's, I don't have to live by duty. I can live by design. I've seen male and female, both sides. It's not a gender issue. But it's mainly young entrepreneurs, probably between 30 and 60, 45 is an average age, um, that is, is dedicated to wanting to make a ma major difference in the world. That's the people that typically want to come. We have a lot of coaches because people want to use these methods. We have a lot of uh, leaders um, in various fields. We have people in music and acting and sports and celebrities come. Uh, we have 
rabbis and ministers and teachers, even though I challenge some of their dogma. And um, it, it, I don't know, there's, there, it's a real cross-section of people because it's, I, I set out, people always said you have to be a, you know, a specialist. I am a specialist in human behavior. But I, I wanted to assist people in mastering all seven areas of their life. I believe, I set out when I was 18 to 20 years old, I wanted to create original ideas that serve humanity, original thoughts, which I think I've been blessed to do. I want to create a global business. I want to create financial independence. I want to have a global family relationship. I want to have social influence all around the world. Uh, and I want to have physical vitality cranking at a young thing. I, I went surfing last year on my 65th birthday. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I've seen the picture. It's incredible. That was 65th birthday. 65th birthday at Pipeline there in, in the North Shore of Oahu. I wanted to create a, an inspired movement that is not subordinating to any religious structure, but can be inclusive in any. It's a way of being inspired and and being grateful and you might say panpsychically honor the implicate order in the universe and be in tune with it. So I'm a firm believer you can empower all of them. I set out to exemplify that, and each of those are manifested today. So I'm financially independent. I have a global business. I, I have contributed to individual unique information. I'm, I just got asked to speak to 100,000 people in India on a spiritual um, program. I've been blessed to have all those things manifested that's been written down in my master plan. And I'm a believer that if you don't plan your life, other people do. So I know it can be done. And I, I love sharing that in Breakthrough. I love sharing the information that has allowed me to do that and has allowed thousands of other people to do that. So I don't know of anybody that can't be enhanced in their life by that information. Yeah. And the tool that I provide, the Demartini method, is a gold mine. Of, of how to ask new sets of questions to transform anything that you may encounter and experience along your journey and see it as absolute fuel, not baggage. So to, to how to transform your perception, decisions, and actions. So, yeah. Plus, I, I teach people about how to live by priority and how to structure their life so they can delegate the lower priority things off to other people. Yeah. So I don't know if anybody can benefit from that. I've, I've, I had a young nine-year-old that by the time she was 15, she had $15 million net worth and had her own fashion company was a supermodel in six years. Wow. I had a girl that ended up having a 2.2 and then a $5.5 million deal with Disney. And she started at age nine. And, and that was in five years. I've seen amazing stuff. Yeah. I've also seen people who come and learn, but don't always apply. And they, they, they have a high value on learning, but not applying in, in business applications. And so I, I show them how to change their values so they can start to incorporate it into that way so they can empower. Because any area of your life you don't empower, other people will overpower. So I'm interested in helping people not be overpowered by the world around them. That way, they're not, they don't have to be victims of history that way. They can be masters of destiny. Thank you. So I, I personally, I've attended the, the event twice now. Um, once in person, um, I think that was around uh, just over a year ago, and then the second time earlier this year. Obviously, the, the current situation, then um, the coronavirus was was online. 
Um, how, um, how, how best, uh, well, firstly, I'm, I'm assuming that you're continuing online in the current, current uh, situation. Um, do you have any, any further idea about when you may be able to deliver these in person? Uh, is it now, do you recommend that people join the sessions online? How, how are they different? Um, how, but, but what, would you, what would you say oh, at the current time? I, I taught the Breakthrough Experience uh, in person for many, many years, over 31 years. And now we've started online since March. And the reception has been quite lovely. I mean, there's slight variations, but I'm actually able to interact with people on Zoom in ways that I'm not always able to do because usually there's semi-circles of people and they're out and I'm, I'm probably interacting more with the people in the front than at the back. But now they're all right there with you and you get to interact with them and they get to ask questions and everything else. So I think there's advantages to the new way online and there's some disadvantages. But overall, I'm grateful um, that we have Zoom we, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing here without it. Of course. And so I think that the, the result of the Zoom approach is slightly different, but I, I don't think it impedes what I'm attempting to accomplish. I think the advantages, and we're able to keep the cost down, which is opened up, and we're able to reach people in regions we hadn't been able to reach before. Yeah. I was doing the Breakthrough Experience um, a few months ago, and uh, there was a gentleman sitting in his backyard overlooking a river bluff, beautiful eucalyptus trees in Madagascar. Wow. And it was just absolutely beautiful. It looked like a little paradise place. And he's in his backyard with some sort of satellite connection. And he was leaning back on this kind of chair thing with his sunglasses on doing break two in Madagascar. And um, he owns a big company, but he, he lives in this big plot of land in, somewhere in the middle of Madagascar. Yeah. And uh, I had people in a whole group in a room in Mongolia, a whole group on a, in Mongolia. Yeah. So I've had, we, we've been blessed. We have students in every country on earth today. I've only been to 154 countries speaking, but I have students in every country today. We've documented them in our database now. So I think Zoom is offering opportunities that I wasn't able to have before. And probably, Soon, probably by the beginning of the year, we'll probably um, be able to do live programs and also record it for Zoom, and then we'll have the best of both worlds. Yeah, yeah. I always say that no matter what happens, there's an opportunity, and it's like, use the opportunity and, and move forward. Yeah, of course. Well, I've, I've, I've been very fortunate to have the benefit of both um, in person and, and, and on Zoom, and I, I, I feel that I had the breakthrough um, on both occasions. So it, 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 you know, it was just absolutely mind blowing for me. And I think the feeling that I came away with just for, for, for anybody who's listening, who perhaps has not had that before is about what that, that feels like is for me personally, and I guess it is different for everybody, but for me personally, it just, I just came away with a feeling that almost that there was nothing to worry about. If that sounds, if that sounds sense, but just that there's, there's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to fear and that everything, you use the phrase, everything is on the way rather than in the way. But that was the kind of feeling that I came away from, um, from both of the events. So I want to thank you personally for that. Um, and and I'm, I'm very, very conscious of your time as well, Dr. Martini. Um, but I'd just like to just, just further it on one, one step. Um, uh, you and the team have very, very kindly offered um, a free gift 
um, to people who are listening, listeners, listeners of the podcast. Um, so I'm going to put a link in the show notes. Um, and it was, it's, it's called Astronomical Vision. Um, would you mind just giving a little bit about what uh, the listeners can, can expect when they, they, uh, they go to the website uh, and they can access um, Astronomical Vision? I presented that at a planetarium to a YPO group of about 70 people in Johannesburg a few years ago. And I wanted to have it in the planetarium because it represented astronomical vision. And I say that your company and your life will not grow beyond your vision. When you live authentically, congruently with your highest values, the space and time horizons spontaneously expand, which gives you permission to go and do an astronomical vision. And unless you have an astronomical vision, don't expect to have a global effect because you won't go beyond your vision and the vision must be greater than the effect that you want to do. This program, this CD or this online CD, it was a CD originally. I'm absolutely certain will be an eye opener to anybody who listens. It will be um, inspiring, informative, practical tools and methods you can do to take whatever you're doing to the next level of expansion. So the people there were very grateful. Um, I was inspired to present. It's, it's a very inspiring um, presentation on how to take yourself from where you are to an astronomical view. I was told by Ed Tellison, never live where you can't see the farthest horizons. And again, Seneca says that you, you measure an individual by their most distant ends. How big is your vision? That will determine how big your life will be. And how big a challenge or problem can you tackle or solve? That will determine the contribution and the legacy that you leave. So this CD, online CD, whatever, online program, is designed to help you make a bigger difference more effectively and efficiently and give yourself permission to shine, not shrink. So if you're wanting to go to another level, please take advantage of this lovely CD that was inspiring that I know you're going to listen more than once. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I will, I, I will pop the link in the show notes for that. Um, I've got the link in front of me. I, I will read it out um, just briefly and then I'll pop it in the show notes. So the link, uh, if you're listening, is dmartini.ink. Uh, forward slash free gift dmartini.ink forward slash free gift and i will put the uh, the link in the show notes as well um dr dmartini i know you're you're literally about to head off now to, to to continue delivering a training so i just want to say thank you so much um personally this has been incredible you've been number one on my uh, podcast interview list for a long time so this is an absolute pleasure for me. Um, I would love at some point to be able to, to, to do this again. And maybe we could, I, I, I know with your knowledge, we could have a totally different conversation about totally different topics and it would still be just as engaging. Um, I would love for, um, for you just to share, aside from the links that we've, we've, we've dropped in here, where is the best place for, for people to, to get in touch with you? That would be the first question. And then I'm going to double load this because I'm, I'm conscious of your time. The second question is, if you could leave every, uh, everybody and the listeners with just one phrase, one saying, one, one thought, um, and, and almost have that as the final words of the, of the interview, um, what would that be? Well, they can reach me by going to drdmartini.com, D-R-D-E-M-A-R-T-I-N-I.com, drdmartini.com. They'll go to my website. It's an educational website. They could spend the rest of their life 
learning from that website. It's filled with information that will be valuable. And um, if there is a quote I can leave, just simply a statement. I said when I, when I was 18 years old that I will do whatever it takes, I will travel whatever distance, I will pay whatever price to give my service of love. And I will not let any human being on the face of the earth, not even myself, stop me from my mission. Give yourself permission to do something extraordinary on planet Earth. And do it from such a calling that, that there's no mortal that can interfere with that immortal vision. Incredible. Thank you so much. I, I can't think of a better way for us to wrap up um, the, the interview today. So Dr. Dave D. Martini, again, for, for me personally, and on behalf of all the listeners, I want to say a huge thank you for joining us on the Influence podcast. Um, and I do look forward to, to seeing you at a future event. I will certainly be in attendance in the very near future. So thank you again so much. Um, and uh, for everybody that's been listening, I do hope that it's been quite remarkable, quite inspirational. I'm sure that it has. All the links will be in the show notes for the website and also for Astronomical Vision. Um, and, and just on behalf of everybody, thank you one more time for being with us today. Thank you. Hi, friends. Jake here again. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You can find links to anything that we've discussed, books, trainings, other podcasts, uh, anything currently that we're enjoying, you will find those in the show notes or you'll find it somewhere in and around all the information that you usually find in a podcast. And a reminder that if you'd like to know more about what I do, if you want more of tools, resources, any recommendations, readings, uh, free training, products and such, then you can find all of that on the website jakeadamdavy.com. Equally, if you want to come over and say hello, Instagram is always the best place and the account is at jakeadamdavy. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't hesitate to leave us a review. Of course, the more stars, the better. And equally, sharing is caring. So if you've heard something or listened to something that you've enjoyed yourself and you think will be beneficial or useful to other people, please do pass that on. It will be very much appreciated. And as you know, when you get a recommendation from somebody that you trust, there really is nothing better. Thank you so much. And until next time, stay on mission, do something extraordinary for others, keep inspiring and keep growing your circle of influence. Goodbye.